This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Studio. Contact them at gettoasted at toastedmarshmallowadventures.com for all of your podcast production needs. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, not everyone gets a trophy uh, with Amy and Mo. Amy uh, had a couple things that she had to take care of. And as we listen to life, uh, that's okay. Sometimes she's going to be here. Sometimes I'm not going to be here. And and it's just part of what life is about. Good morning and welcome to Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with Amy and Mo. Today we get the great opportunity and uh, interviewing one of the most influential and well-known individuals in the Boise area. And I've gotten the pleasure uh, of knowing him and, and little by little work with him in different aspects because somehow our our background seems to match. He is the founder of Breakhouse Recovery in 2014. He holds a master's in professional communication, TEDx speaker, um, so if you don't know anything about TEDx or anything like that, get on that so you can hear more about what he's doing. And then he also has this um, book on Amazon. It's audio. And, you know, a lot of people have seen the book, but perhaps don't know who is it coming from. Or you might be thinking it's somebody from out of town, but he ha- he's a best-selling author of Unhooked, which helps family ma- members navigate a lot of what it takes to go through with a family member. Uh, he also serves on multiple boards across Meridian and Boise, and throughout his life has uh, worked uh, in the business uh, side before becoming this great speaker and a great role model for this community. So thank you so much for being here with us. I am going to just hand this off to Jason Coombs, who. I believe can can is making a, a great significant impact on our community. So thank you so much for being here today. I I am so pumped to be here. I'm humbled. Thank you for the yeah. intro and and uh, we've been trying to put this together for a long time. Thank you for your persistence. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, we have to be persistent on the things that that uh, that are needed. And I felt like the people that have always not struggle, but I always listen to life. But the people that have, have been very persistent with have actually created the biggest impact in our audience. So thank you so much for being here with us. I'm so pumped because I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yours. Um, if you don't follow Jason Coombs on on on, on Instagram, on Facebook, just check him out. And he's always up to something. Where do you get all this energy, man? <laughs> Talk to me about that. <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Uh, caffeine. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with caffeine. No, I um, <clears throat> I heard it once said that uh, when you're on path, the lines blur between work and play. And as I as I think about that, um, I and and one of my favorite thought leaders that I like to study and revert to and i often quote quote him as his name is joseph campbell you know he, he he used to say follow your your bliss and what is your bliss and i think i think that is really where the energy comes you know my wife my wife once said you know every job has it's like a rock it has its mossy side and it's got its hard side and and uh, every job has it's fun side and it's fulfilling side. And then there's the hard side, you know, there's the, the, the time clock there's, you know, yeah, there's uh, issues that you have to address. And, and, and I have found a bit of a Goldilocks zone between what I feel my, my life's calling is based on experiences that I've walked through and little uh, nudges along the way like in grad school and I was writing a paper for a health communications course. And this was after I got sober. I think I was about a year, about two years sober. And, uh, the topic came up as I, what do I write? 
and it was cool because uh, the, the it was an adjunct professor. She said, well, you, you know, you seem to talk and care a lot about substance use disorder and addiction. What if you wrote like the five keys to getting sober or something like that? Mm-hmm. And so that got the wheels turning. Um, and I had been writing things down of what I would love to put in, you know, a manuscript someday. I didn't know what it would be. I thought it would maybe be a memoir. I don't know. But I got a call that night from one of my family members who was asking me questions of how do you help someone who's struggling? And when I got off that phone call, I just wanted to like email like a a document to her and then have her read it and then let's talk after you read it. Because I don't know how many times I gave the same advice and you just wonder if it ever sunk in. Yeah. And you get tired of hearing yourself say the same thing over and over and over again. So part of it was like self-preservation. I was like, I just want, okay, I know what I'll write my paper on the five keys to help an addict. Like it was something like that, you know? And, uh, and you know, that was the, the genesis of the formation of, of unhooked. And so I think the energy comes from, um, Continuing to pursue those little moments of aha and little um, nudges of this is the path. Like keep keep going. And then when I get off path, if there's shiny things mm-hmm. that I pursue, I learn from those, and then I get refocused. I'm like, well, what what makes me feel most useful? Not what makes me the happiest, because I have pursued that narrative into a lot of self-gratifying behaviors that were destructive but what what makes me feel the most useful and and i like that i like that because most people have this well what's good happiness and it's so broad it's very subjective um but i like that and they also look for those silent moments that a lot of people get uncomfortable with right when you've almost achieved a lot of a lot of what you wanted and then there's that like what now right and people get scared by it and they sabotage almost everything they've worked for to revert back to this old behavior right i think as an individual i'm curious to know like how did you because after writing unhooked which took 10 years my mind would have been like okay (laughs) i've made it in, in some sense Right, I've worked so hard for this. How do you, how do you, how do you win more championship ranks when you've won one? Right? How do, how do, what's the motivation behind that? Oh man, Good, goodness sakes! I to put it in a, a context of championship rings, I gotta um, first of all thank you. I accept and receive the kind words with immense gratitude, and uh, and in the spirit of giving credit to all the helpers to make this possible all the mentors and I still feel like uh the book is almost on its own path and what I mean by that is um in the course of writing it there were seasons when I would write heavy and then I would um just kind of feel like I was stumped it just wasn't coming together and I'd get frustrated with myself and almost feel like giving up, just pursuing something else. And uh, in hindsight, I look back and it was because I was living in one of the chapters, meaning like I was, if you read the book, and for those of you that, that have read it can, can relate to this, but it's, it's layered. It's, it's layered, meaning there are vignettes of my story but there's evidence-based and legitimized and efficacious modalities such as stages of change model by Dr. Prochaska and DiClemente and motivational interviewing, which is a proven method to influence others and evoke internal motivation mm-hmm. and, uh, and many more. And so 
the uh, the narratives or the storyline was was written years ago, and it was just kind of an ugly baby. You know how they say you, you got to have the ugly baby first and then mm-hmm. raise it up to be <laughs> to be uh, cute. Yeah, but um, you know, it was it, it was definitely one of those where it was just like, ah, what do I do? But as I as I now know, looking back. I was learning from my clinical director who, who I had hired at Brickhouse. Um, his name is Bill Vogel. He's actually the clinical supervisor of Allenbaugh House. Oh, wow. And so big shout out to, to Bill. And he's helped many interns and many professionals and maybe some of you that are listening. And yeah. No, Bill. He is like the Jedi of motivational interviewing and stages of change. And he, he was teaching me in staff meetings, how to staff a client by asking questions. Well, what stage of change is this individual in? And it wasn't a broad, like what stage of change is this individual in? It, all their areas of their life combined. But what stage of change is this individual in regarding abstinence? of marijuana it's like well that's the issue this person is in you know pre-contemplation still thinks that they can smoke weed when they get done with treatment well what stage of change is this person in regarding alcohol well they're in preparation because they've quit and they're you know they've been abstinent for a number of months and they're working towards action he helped me see that can't just globalize an individual's change, but he, he helped me by, and some of the graphics that are in the book really highlight what that process is, is like to help an individual resolve their own ambivalence. Because if someone's going to change behavior, it's going to be on their own volition. Meaning if I'm morbidly obese and I need to change my, uh, my total health life domain or else I'm going to die. And I got, you know, I got the doctors and I got my family all putting pressure on me to change. Well, in order to get on that treadmill and to sweat one time and then do it again and make it a habit. Meanwhile, eating healthy, giving up some foods that yeah. are going against that that's going to take in, in order to make make that lifestyle high performance habits there has to be an inner fire that's waking me up in the morning to go do it there's got to be payment and you know i always say in in uh brick house to the clients and and when i speak it's like if you do the work you get paid you got you you know you got to remember that there is payment when you do this work. Um, but back to to your comment and your and your question for for individuals who are seeking to win championship rings per se in their life and leveling up. There are a couple of principles that I don't know if I'm the best at, but but my mentors have shared them with me all the time. And, uh, which is, which in theory it's, it's part of this yeah. because a lot of people think I can do it on my own. Just tell me how to do it and, and, and I'll get there. But the, the issue is like you said, like you have to go out and, and do the work and, and perhaps get those mentors around you to yes. get there. Right. Because most people think, okay, okay, how can I do this? I'm going to do this X, Y, and Z by myself. And they're like, no, that's, that's, that's not how you, how you, you level up. Yeah. Right. And maybe they don't know where to turn to get yeah. help because you can it depends on who you're surrounded with and you could ask for advice from people and it can be way more discouraging than helpful yeah and so surrounding yourself with a uh, the first piece of advice is is selecting your personal board of directors of your life and these are individuals that don't co-sign on everything you say and they're individuals that are uh, sophisticated enough to know you and to want to champion you, but will also be real and honest. 
when uh, when you, you can't be subjective, when you can't be objective, exactly, they hold that objectivity, right? Like I don't know if that's a word, but the way I see it is, don't call your best friend because they they're gonna say kind of what you want to hear, yeah. Versus holding somebody who isn't your mother, mother because your mother will also say things to deteriorate from you doing something that is good that's to right. protect you, yes, right? <laughs> that's right. I had I had one of my best friends call me up uh, last week and he goes, hey. I, I want your advice. I have this business idea, this, this opportunity. And I said, okay, first of all, brother, do you want my feedback as one of your best friends? <laughs> or do you want my feedback with my business hat on? Ooh. He goes both. And I said, no. they're totally different. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go totally different. Like, like you, you choose yeah. which one Can't do you want? Both. Yeah. Which one do you want? I mean, I'll be kind yeah. as the business, but, yeah. if, but I also got to be real if I'm consulting someone on business and, um, he goes, okay, business. And, uh, I told <laughs> him what I, <laughs> I told him what I thought and I haven't heard from him since. So, but you know, I was respectful, but you know, there were some gaps in his thinking and I, and I wanted to make sure that he understood that, um, you know, going, going back to, to two, two rabbit holes that, that we were talking about is the piece of advice from mentors that I, that I have been, uh, that have been ingrained in me is, um, earners are learners. So staying teachable, staying humble, staying a student, never become bigger than just being the student be the student, embrace being the student. I think a lot of us go through school and think that we're going to come out the other end and we just want to be the master. We just want to be the, the guru. And I'll tell you right now, those professionals that come into the field that way are the ones that, that are weeded out so fast because being a learner and being humble and hungry is one of our core values because um i have found that my life expands in meaning and purpose when i am always reading a book i'm always hungry for you know and i don't read books that are my wife teases me because the only books i ever read really outside of sacred writ are self-help books topics that i want to learn more about podcasts that I listen to. I don't really want to listen to stories. I hear enough stories. I want meat to help me in that area because it's a felt need mm -hmm. because I feel, you know, maybe I'm inadequate in, or I'm uh, in the infancy stage of learning it, or I'm in the adolescent stage, or I'm in the awkward teenage stage, whatever it is to level up in that area, whether it be business management, leadership, or self-care, psych, like really understanding my own anxiety and my own uh, co-occurring disorders, which, which, by the way, that's another rabbit hole we should, <laughs> we should for sure, sure talk about. Yeah. Um, if, and if I may just chase down these these two topics that are floating around in my mind. Yeah, let's do it. Let's um, do it. And because I have ADHD, if I don't go there now, they're going to be gone. And then hey, I'll, welcome, I'll welcome. be driving home, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh dang, I forgot to tie yeah. that tie that up." But um, um, the the other piece of of advice is that readers are or uh, leaders are readers, and so always be reading a book. And, and I'm an audible guy, so I like to, and I start a lot of books. And if it doesn't captivate me in the first chapter or two, I don't finish it. Right. But, um, but I learned something in, in that little yeah nugget. And, and I like what you said earlier about, um, you know, I always, and I, and I always, if I can make this much, and I know you guys can't see it, but I'm holding my, my, my thumb and my, uh, my, my fingers very close to each other. And if I can make this much impact on somebody, that's a win for me. So the fact that you could read one chapter and not be interested, but three words out of that chapter 
allowed you to go to the next level or to the next thing that you're supposed to do. That's what that book is meant for. I like that. I try. Yeah. And I try to consume. I'm selective on what I consume. I don't want to just consume any old opinion or any old recommendation. It's usually a recommendation that has come many times where it just kind of keeps showing up in my life. And then it's like, okay, or I'll read reviews or whatever. Cause I don't want to just consume. I want to be selective about what I watch, what I read, what I listen to. Um, so that it has more impact on, on my mental health. And that's the key is my, my, and a lot of what I do, I'm trying to treat my mental health in context of the, you said some people will start and, uh, they'll pursue their passion and they want to make a difference and they want to be an influencer, but how do you keep, how do you win? You know, how do you, how do you keep up with the, the occupational hazard of that, Mm -hmm. your own mental health and your own self care, which is a real buzzword. (laughs) Um, well, how I have, uh, learned the hard way is I, would pursue a project and uh, as I would go down the road with it, it would miss something that was becoming a pain point. So for example, um, writing a book, when I started out writing a book, it was like, oh God, I would love for this to help one person. And then it became, I would you know, challenging limiting beliefs with people breathing in life into me and inspiring me and say, don't think, don't think small, like take this big, it's going to bless the world. And I'm like, yeah, right. But to think big and dream big, it's like, okay, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to, I want it to be a, a bestseller, but not really buying into the belief that but here's the thing is as, as I was thinking about that in my own mind, being naive, I thought if a book was a bestseller, that would create a living. But as I continued down that path, I learned from others that you will starve if you are an author and that's it. You will. There's no way I can make a living off of, you know, a $16 book. Right. Unless you're pumping those things out like (laughs) iPhones. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's just, I mean, maybe there are a few out there in the world that just are banging and and they can. The Harry Potters, the one, I mean, yeah. Right. But, but, but that, that like revelation for me changed the context of how I approached it. And so instead of just giving up on that project, I started to learn, well, okay, how do you, how do you monetize something that you're passionate about so that it's sustainable? And I've had to do that in every project I've pursued and, um, and kind of dismiss the, the narrative of, oh, you're only in it for the money, but learning it through well, I want to pursue my passion and, and some of the books that I've read really help you see the, the project or your career or, or your business. Let's just call it a business since we were talking about a business. So your business becomes a, has a life of its own, which means I'm not the business. I'm not the book. The book has a life of its own. And so how do you treat it as if it was a a baby and, and, and you raise it. And so as I, as I looked through that perspective, the food or excuse me, the blood in the body of that project, that business is financial resources. Right. And so in thinking about where you're going in your career as a, um, I don't I hope I'm not breaking any like, you know, 
any of your privacy, but you're no. pursuing, you know, yeah, a abs- nurse practitioner. Absolutely. Like, like that lights me up for you because I happen to know that there's a way that you can channel blood into the body as you pursue that particular niche. Right. Um, and I know you're not doing it for that. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing school all this time. And, you know, because like you said, I am not making a living out of this. In, like, like you said, it's just, I like that you said that the, we, we wanted the book to just become its own thing. I, I love that. Yeah. It's its own thing. It's its own thing. And, you know, part of me bringing you here, like I, you know, I, I said it earlier before where you met is we're not here to talk about your book. I think book is, it was part of a season of your, of your, of your life, but it's not a reason of, of your life. And I, I never have looked at it through those lenses. And if you're listening now, I mean, part of bringing you here was to bring a whole different aspect, a different part of my brain that is not activated and saying like, no, like things that you create, right? Shouldn't have the benefit of what you want, right? Because the money's there, but but that's not the reason why I'm going to do it. There's other factors. But if I look at your life, I'm like 10 years. You didn't know this. <laughs> you didn't know through it at all. And... I'm not saying give me the cheat sheet, but you're allowing me to at least look at something and said, it has been done. And when I'm in the process of struggling as a person in school and writing and not everything matching the way I wanted to, I can see your story and said, yeah, but in 10 years, 20 years down the road, I will see why I'm struggling the here and the today. I like that. And, and that's where you, you know, you bring it back to mentors and surrounding yourself with people who are willing to lift that have the mentality that they rise highest lift as they go, which is another quote by Kevin Hall. They rise highest who lift as they go. And so you, you surround yourself with lifters who have been there, which, which I would, I would be happy to be, you know, a sounding board for you anytime, Mo. And, and when you think, think, so, so there, there is the passion of the book, right? And as I share this, I hope everyone's kind of putting themselves in their own, like they're wanting, like for you, you are wanting to reach the goal of, um, achieving nurse practitioner in the state of Idaho, psych mental health and any other specialties that, that are, you are inspired to do yeah. as you go down the road and then, and then really making a difference. So as you have that in mind, the, uh, the, the, with, with me, like that was, that was the book. But then when I learned, Oh, I'm going to get to that destination and I'm going to be, first of all, it, you know, I still have debt because I still have graduate school debt. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm going to have to sell millions to make a living. It's just not doable. So I start to think about, okay, what's, what's something that's complimentary that's still in my wheelhouse that makes sense. And so I started to look into the speaking Mm -hmm. and I was like, I love that. I love, I love speaking. And the advice that I was given is, Jason, you don't want to be a professional speaker. You want to be a professional who speaks. Oh, so what does that mean? I want to be a professional who speaks. (laughs) Okay. So that means I need to have a profession. And so I, I, you know, I had a few experiences and some of those are in the book that led me to open up a treatment center um, which is also supplementing the speaking and the book. And so when you start to see how all of it like builds on itself through the advice that came to me, and I have professional speaker friends and that's their thing. But for me, like I have a family, I don't want to live 80% on the road 
traveling around, speaking, doing that. And at first, that was my dream. I was like, oh, I love that. And then I started to think about my three-year-old twins at the time and FaceTiming them every night, putting them to bed. And I'm like, wait, I got re- to refocus this. And so I had those little strokes of intelligence. So those like, okay, I want to redirect. I want to be home. Like my first priority is to be a, a championship ring dad and husband. Right. And, and that is my, my first priority. And what has been cool about the building of brick house and, and finally like finishing this labor of love of having the book and it's got typos in it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's still a draft, like it's edition one. Right. But like, even when I was reading it in, in the audible version, I, uh, caught so many errors and I was like, well, that's the result of not expecting perfection because I, I was like, no, it's gotta be perfect. It's gotta be perfect. And finally I was just like, you just gotta get it out. So there, there it went. And, and now you see the harmony and, um, um, I did a podcast with one of my other mentors who I, who's local. Um, her name is Rhonda Conger. If you've never read her book, um, better human i strongly recommend it or, or listen to it on audible and she asked me after our podcast interview hey jason are you still trying to sell your book <laughs> and i was like or she said how, how are book sales going i'm like yeah you know and she said are you still trying to sell it i was like yeah of course you know and she said i wouldn't i would just <laughs> Give it, give it to people who need it that you run into and uh, bless their lives and just watch what happens. And it was at that moment where I had that little stroke of intelligence that I was still my book and I was trying to like somehow recoup all the investment I put into it as if I could ever recoup it. Right. <laughs> um, and then I just started to think differently. I was like, you know what? Just going to hook you up like you know bring mo 10 books today just yeah. to give out through your purposes of yeah you know, your listeners and contests or whatever and and that mentality is what allowed it to have its a life of its own and it has spread I'll beyond any, anywhere i could imagine yeah. and it's doing it without me that's the cool thing so when people compliment the book i'm like how's it doing are you telling me wow yeah <laughs> cool Cool. If you're asking, obviously it's <laughs> doing good. And and I like I like that. And you know, one of the reasons also I have so many reasons why I want to bring you in, but um I don't publicly go out into my groups when I work and say, Hey, you know, before we start, I just want to let you know I have a podcast. I I don't do that. If if it if it fits, sure. But if it doesn't, I'm not gonna go out of my way. And one day I somebody had walked in into the room and, and I saw the book. And, you know, they were talking about it. And I'm like, do you know who Jason Coombs is? No. Do you know where he lives? No. I'm like, where do you think he lives? I'm like, New York. I don't know. Right? Because, I don't know, maybe because everybody who writes a book lives in New York. I don't know. Maybe that's what media has done. And I'm like, no, he actually is a local guy. You know, a local guy that he meets you and he never forgets your name. And I think that one of the <laughs> one of the things, professionally speaking, people that that know you say that guy never forgets people's names <laughs> i don't know if you know about yourself but it reminded me of that one day i was walking around in a mountain and and i hear this whistle right and i'm like who is whistling at 7 30 in the morning in the parking lot and i look over and there you are mo mo and i'm like no freaking way because the part that you don't know about that is, and maybe I told you I don't know, is that Donna, there was like three, four people that had come up to me in the months, like two, three months prior to that and said, you should get Jason in there. And I'm like, yeah, I know Jason. Um, but for some reason, I wasn't reaching out, right? Your name just kept coming up, kept coming up, coming up. And the day before, when the nurse says, 
well, you should bring in this guy. And I'm like, all right, what is it about people in life that wants me to bring in this guy? So I just started thinking. I went home and I talked to my girlfriend about it. And the next morning at 7.30, you show up at my work and yell my name. And I was like, laws of attraction, right? That's that energy that, that brought you and I together. And to me, that was... That was well worth anything else that I would want for anything else from the gain of this podcast. That to me proved to me that I was on the right path. When you're on the right path, uh, you will meet people that have been waiting for you all along on that path. And, and, uh, I was waiting for you and you were waiting for me for all this to happen. And it's going to be cool to see, you know where it goes from here this podcast is just one little yeah little thing of uh you know many many opportunities to come yeah you know making a difference like so what next like you asked me what's next well what's what's next for me is to uh surround myself with people who are humble and hungry and do what i can to pass along anything that that uh, may be helpful to them and, and vice versa, like lean into people who can lift me because I feel like there are opportunities, uh, abundant opportunities in the state of Idaho and, and across the country, but particularly here in Idaho. And, and I see all these departments working to fill the need on the state level and government level, but also uh, nonprofits and for profits. And there's this movement happening, address the need. And it's kind of tricky because you got Treasure Valley and you got a couple of other areas like uh, Idaho Falls and Twin that have some more resources. And then you got the rural. And so you're really like, um, looking at the whole thing and you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to be the, uh, you know, the dominated, like there are, there are some treatment companies that are uh, private equity that are coming out of New York that are coming out of, of uh, these places. And, and they're seeing the opportunity here in Idaho to grow and uh you know they're they're megaplex treatment centers mm-hmm. and and I think that there's a need for for those businesses that are looking to uh capitalize or and and meet the need. I don't know if if I'm the guy that is interested in competing <laughs> on that level what i what I would love to do though is I'd love to have. Um, a brick house recovery in each of the districts. So there's seven districts, um, except for maybe uh, district five, because we have a great partnership with the, the Walker center and they have an outpatient, but you know, at least those six districts and, uh, and just have it be small and impactful and just continue to be involved in, the legislature and and anywhere that I can make a difference to move the system to be more innovative and have events that uh, bring people together to to connect. Um, inspiration happens when people come together. It's like it's like a gathering of inspiration, and um, you know that Alex Boyer suicide awareness and. Uh, mental health event that filled the Idaho Ford Center a couple of weeks ago. When I was asked to speak at that, I want you to know that this was one of my client's sisters. My client died by suicide last May. And, uh, she wanted to do something. She felt this fire inside and she's like, I'm going to start a nonprofit. And then her dreams be, were so big. She's like, I, I want to get Alex Boyer to come up and 
rent the Idaho Ford Center. And I'm in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is yeah. your first event. Um, That's like the mom and you coming out, right? Yeah. The one that like, I, are you sure about Well, this? I mean, I know, I know what it takes to put yeah. an event together and I'm lucky to get my <laughs> living room full. And so I'm like, okay. And she goes, and I'd love to have you speak. And so I was like, sure. sure. It'll probably be in a living room or maybe like a, a church somewhere yeah. that just Civic something Center. where there's maybe 20 to 50 people and I'm happy to speak. I did not know it was going to be almost 12,000 people in an arena. Wow. Like what? So that was, again, you know, these, these are the doors that open when you just continue to offer help to people and yeah. lift people and those kinds of things just play out. And I just showed up and, and, and did my 12 minute thing. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That was definitely not something I created and definitely not something I promoted or, well, I guess I helped with marketing, but, um, that was not a Jason Coombs ring of course on, on social media, you, you know, yeah. you share the pictures yeah, yeah, just no. to get some notoriety and and some buzz but like that's the backstory of it that was right that was someone else's dream and passion coming to fruition where i got to be a witness and and honor a brother that i loved who uh i miss dearly yeah in in, in the intention of of ever being there perhaps other people might see it as like that beneficial gain of oh well you know it's him you know, he has this going on for him. But when you hear the backstory, you understand kind of like the book. The book is one thing. It's doing his thing. And you're a human over here. And I appreciate that every time I meet with you, you make me feel like I'm the man. You are the man. <laughs> right? You are the man. And it takes time. Because it's like the rich trying to be rich who aren't rich. And it's like the rich who acts or dresses like they're poor, but they're billionaires, right? In, in a sense, is you pay attention to me in a way, you give me this energy that just by simply being around you makes me feel like I can do things. And I'm like, I want that for myself. I want what, what he has in the sense that not the publicity, but the presence that you have on a one-on-one -on -one level. And I'm like, when I've met like soccer players, I've met famous people. And there is this trend that I've found out that when these people meet with you, they have this impact on you. Like they make you feel like it's just you and me in this moment. And I'm the most important thing to you in this moment. And I tell people that when you reach that kind of level, if Dwayne Johnson, who I know is doing 10 movies, waking up at four in the morning, can make me feel this way. Why can't I? That I don't have half the time, half the things that he's got going on, right? That's when it's appalling. So when, when I met somebody of that caliber, I was like, duh, that, that's what I want. I was hungry for that. So I appreciate you being here because you bring that to people. And the whole connection of this event was due to that. That was part of it, right? It was just, you made a connection with this person on a one-on-one -on -one level. And that's how I took. It wasn't even the book. It wasn't the brick house thing. It was, it was just you being you to that level. That has, hey, I don't know. I, that to me, that's, that's great. Thank you, man. Yeah. I accept and receive those, those words of, love with immense gratitude and you know that that event sparked out of a tragedy and uh there's something there's something beautiful and sacred about mourning with those who mourn and uh comforting those that stand in need of comfort i think when we live our lives that way um like the, you know that that event was uh over the top Something I'll never forget. But but that event wasn't a group of people saying, I got an idea. Like, let's do an over-the-top event. It was out of the loss of our brother who died by suicide. 
who jumped off of a, of a cliff in Box Canyon and grieving and mourning with that family and listening to a sister who was in pain who's like, I feel like I need to do something to help others and then just saying, do it. Follow that. Follow that passion. Pursue it. Don't let that die. Because if you're feeling it, then there's something great that you're supposed to do. And when I watched her lean into that passion, I'll tell you right now that no human power could have created the doors that opened. The media bought in, like all in. The donors, like, click funnels and BVA and crush the curve and the credit unions and the banks and the, like the resources that just boom, she wasn't out there like grinding to get 10,000 here. It was like, I mean, I, I, I won't even share how much that raised, but it was for this cause. And you know what? Local churches got wind of it and they're like, we will totally back this. So you can't get that kind of support with a selfish motive. Or I want to do this for me so that I can have it on my resume. This was something that was already prepared and planned by a higher power and then when this tragedy happened she was the one that got the burn in the feeling and she just pursued it and it was like door open door open door open door open door open door open boom twelve thousand people three months she did it in three months first time she ever like what no it doesn't happen I saw Pearl Jam in the same arena and they didn't have that many people. <laughs> and I love Pearl Jam, yeah. favorite band of all time. Like, so it goes back to what it goes back to is like, how does this, how is this relevant to any of the, the listeners? Well, you guys, like, the truth is that the passion is the fuel to pursue. That is what the bliss is all about. Is it's, you can't tell if you're working or playing. If you had all the money in the world and you never had to work for the man or, or earn, what would you spend your time doing after, of course, you traveled the world? What would you spend your time doing to feel useful? And uh, if you can answer that question, that, that helps identify what your true gift zone is, where you, where you belong in uh, making a difference. And as long as it's helping others, it's not like, well, I'd ski like heli ski all day, every day by myself. Like it's not going to do anything for the planet. You know what I mean? Like so yeah. what's, what's going to bless, unless you're going to do a documentary that's going to inspire kids to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, but back, back, back to that is like following that fire is really the process of recognizing that we each have our own set of gifts that we came into this world with and they're unique to us and the process of identifying those gifts and unlocking those gifts by learning, developing and being the student, it comes natural to us and really rising up in those gifts to bless the lives of others is I think the the championship ring i think it it first and foremost is unlocked and uh, blesses the lives of our families first and then our you know external families and then our communities and in our workplace and so it's that process and i think a lot of people lose passion or lose their fire or they quote unquote burn out which I hate that term just probably because I hear it all the time. Like, hey, I'm burned out. I know it's a real thing. I'm not trying to minimize it, but I think burnout is a result of 
being outside of your gift zone for too long. Because if you're in the Goldilocks zone of your gifts, and it's hard, yeah. it's not like it's not like you're just at the spa all day. Like it's hard, but when you're in your, you're developing your gift zone, like you're in school, you see how all those experiences that you have walked through was this process of elimination. It was a rule out experience of what you don't want to do and what you want to do more of. And it's this, this develop, like honing in, the identification of what what your God-given gifts are. And you have many. And I could spend a lot of time just edifying you, as you have kindly done, to edify me. And, and connecting with people is absolutely one of your gifts. And so how do you take each day and... and, and you know, ask and look for opportunities to lift somebody with your gifts and to be aware of that. And so if you feel the way you feel when, when I see you, then I want to do that again when I'm at the gas station yeah. to the stranger. Like I want, if, if, if somebody's feeling something when I show up, I'm not forcing nothing. Nothing. I'm just, I'm just being myself because everyone else is taken, as Oscar Wilde would say. Like, so if someone feels that, then okay, like it's almost like you're telling, you're reminding me of what my natural gifts are. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well, thank you. First of all, second of all, I need to use that to lift people wherever I go. And you start to do that and you start to feel like you're making a difference and that fuels it. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, too often we pursue our professions through the lenses of uh, a scarcity mentality of like, I want to pursue this because that will make me something and uh, it'll put me in a position where I won't have to feel financial insecurity and I won't have to feel you know, tied down or strapped. And if, if we would just shift the narrative to look at today in this moment is the destination, meaning there's not a destination after you get your degree and you become a nurse practitioner, what will happen is you'll just have nurse practitioner problems. (laughs) And, and I, I always say it's for every level, there's the devil. Yes. If you <laughs> think yeah. a, a million dollars is going to change your outcome and do away with all your stress because, because of the financial pressure, well, what I will say and what I've learned, not that I'm a million, uh, but every level you go up, then you, then you end up having million-dollar problems, yeah. and those are bigger because, you know, as we learn in recovery, fear is in two buckets. You either are afraid of losing what you have or afraid of not getting what you want. Every single fear falls into those two categories. Fear of losing what you have or fear of not getting what you want. And that's, uh, that's this process where it comes back to today. Like today, today is that enjoyment of asking the questions, what are my gifts and how do I take them and bless the lives of others? Because when you're in that zone, time and space don't exist. For example, right now, I have no idea how many hours we've been talking. <laughs> right. And, and I feel the same way. I'm like, you know, I know I'm going to keep track of how long we've been talking, but I'm not, I'm not even worrying about it. It's just in the zone, in the gift zone. Yeah. And that is, uh, that is, that is beautiful. So then it's like, okay, how do you get more of this and, and build around it so that you can make a living in your gift zone? Yeah. And that is the riddle. Yeah. That is the project, but it, there's nothing more fulfilling. 
So it's not chasing a bunch of things to build your resume or chasing a bunch of things for notoriety. It's more of like, how do I build a life that will support the blood in the body so that the body doesn't die? So that will support, so I can monetize it enough to make the cribs money, but monetize it enough that I don't have to go get a job that takes me away from my bliss for eight hours a day. Yeah. And then I come home and I got nothing left. No, I want to be around the clock. I want to be expanding my gift zone. That's what I want to do. I want to just always be expanding my gift zone and then surround people that will supplement my weaknesses. Because if space and time don't exist when I'm in my passion, well, I happen to have a wonderful set of executives that since they keep the guardrails in line and they will, and they'll say, Jason, don't forget you have a speech at this time. Yeah. Don't be late. It's like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. And my wife will say, don't forget we have, so I have people that, that validate my gift zone and allow me to be in it, but but make up for where I lack in organization yeah. or where I lack in time management or yeah. Right. So, so there's a lot there to unpack. Um, I, you know, it, it, I clearly am passionate about this stuff because I feel like I can just share what, what, what the mentors and what things I've read have taught me that I've put to an experiment and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. These are cool. These are cool little experiences. But again, not inhaling it. Yeah. Man, like you said, I think we've we've gotten lost in in time. And and for the listeners, thank you for if you made it this far, there's a reason why you made it this far. And I appreciate you being with us wherever you're at, whether you're driving, whether you're on your on your lunch or you know at the treadmill wherever it is that you are uh i hope that today's message across came through because every time i listen to something something else hits home so whatever it was today spend some time on it um talk to somebody about it and and find those people surround those people around you who are going to help you keep in line with who you are meant to be. And that what I've learned in life is that when I'm going through this storm, that storm, it's what's going to create the person who I'm supposed to be. And I've learned to enjoy it. Um, read unhooked. I will read unhooked and I will call you when I'm done and we will have coffee. <laughs> yeah. And for our listeners, if you want a copy of unhooked, reach out to me, uh, reach out to Amy. Amy, we missed you today, um, but we are allowing life to be what it's supposed to be. Um, thank you so much. I will ask you a question that Amy always asks is, is, Jason, is there something that we missed that you want to uh, say to our audience? I think we covered so much. Uh, you know, I think, I think that uh, I'd like to, to also make, you know, myself available if there's anything that I can do to help just uh, you know feel free to reach out um, you can put my my email in the in the show notes yeah. if you'd like and absolutely anything I could do to to support you and this podcast and anything else that you got cooking like yeah alright let's kill I'm it I'm gonna reach out to you right on <laughs> alright well enjoy uh, Mondays let's start loving Mondays Mondays it should not be used to start something or it's just Monday. Love Mondays. Enjoy it. When we struggle is when we learn more from it. Use it as fuel to what's coming ahead. Um, if you're burned out, try to find those people around you who can help you redirect. Uh, again, Jason, thank you so much and have a, have a good week. My pleasure. Thank you, brother. All right. Adios. Adios.